Welcome to the One Degree Shift Podcast, where we learn the little changes that future-proof some of our favorite companies and teams. Here's your host, Eric Termundi. Well, thank you so much for joining the One Degree Shift Podcast. Kelly, Stephen Ways, how are you today? I'm great, Eric, despite all the all children at home, <laughs> everybody in the house, I'm doing great. Right on. Well, there is no business as usual right now, and perhaps that's a great place for us to start. Now, you'll remember not too long ago, we were part of Enrique Rubio Hacking HR's Future of Work Summit, where 11,000 people came together, and I had the privilege of being on a panel with you where I was absolutely blown away by the work that you do, what you've accomplished, and really what you stand for. And I also heard that you've got a new book coming out. So if we could start, I'm curious to learn or have my listeners learn a little bit more about you and perhaps some of the exciting things that are coming up. I'm famously quoted as having the jungle gym career. I have spent the last 13 years as a chief HR officer and was recently asked to be the chief innovation officer for Here Technologies, which is a... Um, a technology company in the space of location intelligence, formerly owned by Nokia and spun out and owned by the automotive OEMs. But my career wasn't always in tech. I actually spent time in the retail industry, working the shop floor, actually started a retail company with my husband just because I have that mindset that I can do anything that I think of and actually make it happen. So that's kind of a common theme. Then I went into uh, communications and marketing, ran corporate communications and internal communications in technology and also spend some time in consulting. So I have a lot of interests and a belief system that, again, don't limit yourself. And so I, I certainly mm-hmm. take that as far as I can with others. And you've got a book coming out. Is that true? I do. It's called The Inside Gig, How Sharing Untapped Talent Across Boundaries Unleashes Organizational Capacity. And I wrote that book with my co-author, Edie Goldberg. And the, the essence of the book is, is really this belief system that people are more than what they're doing today. So if we're defined by a job description, it's kind of confining. But if we're able to build an infrastructure inside the company where we allow for people to take additional gigs, so we call it the inside gig because Mm -hmm. we're building the internal gig economy, that Mm -hmm. we will actually unleash quite a lot of capacity. People come to work every day because they want to contribute. And if we bind them to a job description, we're actually leaving a lot of engagement, a lot of contribution on the table. And we spend so much time today talking about the gig economy on the outside. And you know, there's only so much talent out there in things like data science, for example, uh, that we're probably sitting on a lot of gold we don't mine. So how do we do that then? How do we get past the job description? How do we get more into, let's just say, styles or competencies? Or how do we add those inside gigs into perhaps a rigid system that we're working in currently? I think, first of all, we all have to accept that maybe the job description really doesn't define what people are doing today. I know if you ask a room full of people whether their job description defines what they're actually doing, they'd probably say no. So I think... Knowing that people are more than what they're actually doing today, that if you think that people have a a basis of skills that can be tapped into, that they've acquired over 
both their lifetime experience and their professional experience, if you have a way to actually bring that to visibility. And so there's a, a technology that I built that I didn't talk about, but I also founded a technology company inside my existing organization to wow. enable this and it's called Hitch, right? So we enable the gig economy because we take profiles on the basis of skills and use machine learning and artificial intelligence to actually map that to work in a project-based kind of talent marketplace. So that's how we enable this inside gig, enable people to take on additional projects through, by that technology. First of all, that, that's incredible. Uh, so congratulations. And what, I'm, what comes up for me is this idea of how we're attracting talent uh, too. That when we look at the job description, uh, I was looking at some of the numbers and the job description is on average 250 to 300 words. A lot of those words talk about mission, vision, values, talk about the ping pong table and the keg in the lunchroom. Um, they talk about the Flex Friday and they talk about the skills and competencies needed to do the job. Do you see then the job description needing to change? And if so, what does the future job description need to look like and what things does it need to include? I really think it... The job description should be uh, talking about how if you have these skills, we believe that you can change the world, what the contribution possibilities are. Because at the end of the day, culture is not defined by ping pong tables and snacks in the break room and flex Fridays. It's really about how well you attract the people in your culture based upon what you're trying to achieve as an organization to get together and build the next great thing, right? Or uh, give the service at a, the, the next great level. It has nothing to do with ping pong tables. And I think that mm -hmm. it, it, that was sort of the shallow way to go out and define your company as having great culture. And let's mm -hmm. face it, 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 culture is really people, right? It's the people mm -hmm. you get to work organization. It has nothing to do with mm -hmm. all the environmental things. Then how do we better describe those people? And how do we better describe how that working environment really comes together? Um, because look, I'll, I'll be the first one to say that I completely agree and subscribe to everything that you're talking about. But then I think there there's required to be a fundamental shift in how we then attract talent. Because even in a time of, let's just say, coronavirus now, where many, many, many people are working from home, that passion, that trust, that commitment, I would even go so far as to saying that sense of belonging and community should not waver one bit, especially if we're committed to utilizing all of our skill sets and really coming together in times that we need to, such as this. I would say, you know, I'll try to answer that in a couple different ways. You know, why I think this is such an exciting time, even despite the crisis, is because it amplifies what your organization and what your community is all about. Because you don't have the infrastructure of a building, mm -hmm. which we traditionally say, you know, as we we're talking about it is, is culture. It's really about the people's skill sets and how they bring them to contribute, even in a situation like this. And what's so exciting to me is that in a crisis like this, it forces us to improvise, to think differently, to actually have people come out of maybe what their traditional roles are to, to see their contributions in a completely different way. People are forced into having to 
do something slightly different. And so it is an opportunity for people to show up in whatever the way they want to and the way they think they can contribute best. And just to give an example of this, you know, in my company, we started a, a hackathon around the coronavirus, for example, about yeah. the fact that in, you know, we're about location intelligence. So what can we do as a company? And we're having people from all walks of traditional roles, even people mm-hmm. in HR mm-hmm. coming in or finance to hack what, what, how our technology might be able to help people or our, the way that we're processing data information, how can we actually, on the map, show how this virus is impacting different communities? How can we get information to people differently? How can Hitch, as a, a talent mobility solution, actually stand up agile teams in an environment where we just need to make the work transparent, use the machine's technology to map people to the right work or to the right hackathons that are going on? to solve big problems. I mean, there's so, it, it, it really is a time when you see the kind of different sides of people and it's based upon their skills that they can contribute. Real quick, can you please just describe what that hackathon looked like for the listeners who maybe aren't familiar with what a hackathon is? We're creating a, a kind of a virtual space and time right through our technology. And we use WebEx uh, at Here Technologies. We're standing up these virtual meetings where people can come together and talk about, you know, the big problem to be solved. And they're from all different uh, walks of discipline in their day jobs. So they might be from finance, they might be from engineering, they might be from from the product organization to, to just to open brainstorm about in this right. environment we're in and with the technology that we have, how can we help people get to the information they need faster, leveraging our resources? Basically, that's what it is, our resources. And our resources, this technology. Mm-hmm. And we just happen to be, we have one of the best maps in the world. So how does location play in a situation like this where people need access to information or they need to know where they can get testing kits or where they can show Mm -hmm. up to be tested? I mean, location plays a a huge role because we, we may have to get people there fast enough to save their life. So then, okay, let's just say I am a now remote worker last week, perhaps I wasn't. And I see an opportunity to take my company further, but I might have traditionally been limited or restricted by what my job description said I could do. You know, how can I as an employee take that next step, develop that inside gig and ultimately utilize the skill set that I've acquired over the years? Apply to the opportunity. So what we do in the marketplace is we we say, here's the skills generally we're looking for. So it's agnostic to role. You could mm-hmm. have those skills. You, you just might be in a role today where you're, that's not the lead skill for what you're doing. You might be a lawyer, but you might have done software engineering like right, five, six right. years ago or have, have a, some relevance to the problem to be solved. And the great thing about this is that if the, both the machine and the individual behind the opportunity think, hey, this, this skill set is fantastic, and they don't have a gate, which is your current job, how fantastic to be able to pull those kinds of people, how fantastic for the individual to be able to contribute in a new way based upon a skill they have. And what does it do? It changes, the, it changes actually the reputation for that individual because people see them right. as being able to contribute more broadly than what they're doing today. 
I'm looking again at your biography and like you said, uh, what was your term, the jungle gym? What has been sort of a common thread of opportunity that you've seen when you've moved from innovation to HR to founder even? What, what have you seen in people that is sort of the common thread between the positions that you've held over the past years? I think it's more about the mindset uh, than mm. anything. So the mind, the growth mindset, the belief that you don't have to stay in status quo, that you can grow or contribute in a new way, a different way, despite what you either have done to date, the willingness to learn and take risk and believing in yourself. Uh, and I, I call it catapult moments at the, on the back end, right? So you, you take an opportunity that on paper, maybe you didn't look perfect for, but you jumped in and you did it. That's a catapult moment because it totally changes right. the game for you. It builds your confidence and it also gives you a new experience of which to build from. And I have always told myself that I could, you know, sort of it scares the crap out of me role was the role I wanted to take. Mm -hmm, <laughs> so mm -hmm. where I was, where I started with imposter syndrome and then I right. was able to over it. So I think the common thread and why I call it the jungle gym is because I was always willing to take a side step for the learning instead of the ladder, right? Instead of just going literally in a linear fashion up, I was willing to take these assignments where I would learn something new that I knew I could apply and it would be building these bricks towards something much bigger. As perhaps a, a final thought, you know, given your position as CHRO, how do you look for people like you? Because, you know, what you're talking a lot about now is, is, is mindset, willingness, excitement, determination, grit. Let's just use some of those as, as words. And, you know, you're talking about the lawyer who might have programming skills too, that might not have a straight line from, you know, from where they were to where they are. Knowing that you can acquire a lot of these skills, especially if that excitement and determination and mind, growth mindset is there, what are you doing to find the right people? And what questions are you asking them to determine if there's going to be a mutual fit or not? So one of the things I look for personally is that the person has faced adversity in their life. I think professionally, that they have, that how they handle when I ask them about failure. Because one of the things that you notice about people that are crazy like me and, you know, that jump in uh, full bore is they're, they have faced adversity. They've had to reimagine themselves over and over in situations where maybe things were out of their control. Or when I ask them about failure, they see it as a defining moment for themselves in some way, shape, or form. They had some enlightenment that they right. internalized about themselves. And for me, I will tell you, I've had a lot of failures, a ton of setbacks, personal heartaches. And, you know, my mother, when she was 25, went into the police academy because she wasn't able to be a police officer in the 60s. She was one of the, she's 20 years older than most of the cadets in the LAPD. But she, she won most inspirational cadet at the end because of her work ethic, her willingness to see it through and get over yeah. some really tough things, physically, physical challenges for sure. The academic was not the problem. It was the physical challenge of the job. And four days out of the academy, my mother was killed in the line of duty. And so she never was able to reach that objective. Wow. But for me at that age, and I was 24, a very defining moment for me, which I decided 
that I was not going to, that I was going to follow in those footsteps, that I was going to see myself for taking on challenges, taking on things that, that I'm, I, might be difficult and seeing them through. And, and actually in my book, if, if you read my book, in the preface of the book, I tell her story. And uh, that is definitely the fire that burns in me today. And I think people that have gone through very difficult things personally and professionally, they have a grit about them, a, a passionate, mm-hmm. they're passionate about something and it really defines them. And I, I think those are, the, there are so many incredible people. And uh, I just, just to give you an example today, somebody had said, well, what really makes Kelly able to run IT? I mean, she's never really run mm-hmm. IT before because IT is in my remit. And I sit back and I, I go, that's so small-minded, right? Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people have the ability to do things that maybe they've never done before. And so people that work for me tend to go on to do things they never thought they, they, they were oh. on paper qualified to do. And, uh, and I'm really proud of that. Wow. I'm not sure if I'm qualified to say, but I'm sure your mom would be too. Congratulations on everything that, uh, that you've accomplished and the mindset that you bring to everything that you do. As, as we wrap, is there anything else that you'd want to share with, with the group today? You know, I think if there's any headline, it's that those of us that are leaders and organizations, we need to look beyond the piece of paper, but beyond the job description, mm-hmm. we need to start mining the gold that's right under our nose. And if we could adopt this growth mindset methodology and allow for more liberty of our people, we could mm-hmm. really unleash a lot of that talent that we're sitting on today. And so I really encourage not only for yourself to think bigger, to look for catapult moments, but to help a true leader is somebody who, as, as uh, John Quincy Adams says, a leader is someone who allows people to be more, become more, learn more, do more. That's the true sign of a leader. What an incredible conversation. Kelly, Stephen, Ways, thank you so much for your time today. I truly appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. For more podcasts, show notes, and to connect with our speaker today, visit erictermundi.com. That's E-R-I-C-T-E-R-M-U-E-N-D-E.com. And click the podcast tab. Thanks for listening. 